A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This episode is sponsored by RW Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace case. If you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- I a bachelor. Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. Maybe it was time to shake things up a bit. He was positioning himself over her, raising her hips to meet his. With one hand, she cupped his buttocks. <laughs> With the other, she reached down to feel him against her thigh. Oh my God, I have no idea what I just got myself into. His lips moved to her ears, her neck. She panted. I feel dirty. I need a bath. I need a bath. Jake, please don't make me wait anymore. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello, man. Intimate. Sexy. Awkward. Ladies, for those of you who do not know, allow me to introduce Ashley I. She actually met her husband on the show, Jared. You may be wondering why uh, you just heard all that. (laughs) That's because there's a very important writer, and his name is Chris Harrison. 
Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and as I'm sure you all know, (laughs) we have discussed the beginning of the professional era, and we have predicted now for an entire couple seasons that this Matt James season was going to produce the highest level of play we have ever seen, and our predictions, as usual, are 100% correct. Mm -hmm. What we saw tonight was in many cases things we'd never seen before these are players operating at the highest levels of play for this early phase of a season that we have easily ever seen and there's some second audience shit that went down in tonight's big game that i am blown away by we have so much to talk about in terms of play in terms of group dynamic what the second audience is what they can do as a collective just fascinating shit happening tonight and I am looking very forward to breaking this one down with you, Pace Case. Me too. I have (laughs) another Christmas morning smile on my face as we record this. I'm like, (laughs) gleeful. This episode was joyous. I enjoyed it so much. I don't, I'm sorry. I know Victoria and I don't align on a lot of things, but I never want her to leave. This episode, I'll remind you, as you have this giant smile on your face, they did not give us a fucking rose ceremony. I know, usually I would be crying. They did not even give us the last group date of this entire round of play. When we come back next week, we still have a whole group date to get through, then an after party, then a cocktail party, then a rose ceremony before the next round of play begins. And I don't even care because what we got tonight was just fucking packed with high level play. If you know us, you know how much that normally bothers us. I mean, it does bother me because it's hard for us to, you know, determine our play of the game, our MVP, etc. when we don't see most of the results. But we're very flexible here at Game of Roses and could do our professional business under any circumstances. That's the professional era. There's enough game mechanics happening constantly that even <laughs> if you don't see the final result of the game at a rose ceremony, you still just have so much shit to dive into. God, I couldn't believe tonight. It was beautiful. But thank you all for joining us. We hope you are enthusiastically looking forward to this as well. And now we're going to give you what you came here for. And now... Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. We've been talking about how the producers and the players listen to our show, and here we have conclusive evidence of it. (laughs) Tonight's big game opened with what? I know what you're talking about. It was the fucking creature of the week. Was the subject, the star of the open, the cold open. It was the fucking creature of the week. We haven't been doing creature of the week that long. It's not a huge part of what we do here to the point that I think they're inserting it into the episodes. Again, clues, come down to planet Earth. No, thank you. You're letting the aliens take you away again. As soon as they're ready to beam me up on their ship, I'm going. Sorry to let you know that I will still do this podcast remotely. They have done creatures in every episode... For basically all time. Yeah, I'm not saying creatures are a new thing, but I'm saying a creature was the star of this episode. A creature opened the episode, the same creature was in the fucking tag, and the creature had a giant scene in the middle of this show. Spoiler alert, the donkey was our... 
Creature of the week. <laughs> exactly. And we'll get to that when our creature actually shows up. But they give it to us right here in the beginning, in the cold open. This sets the tone. We know also from this cold open that Serena P is going to be getting the one-on-one. They're just giving that away. And that Matt James is going to be issuing a love level one. His first love level rise. But after the tag, we come back to real time. Rewind. Before the donkey shows up, before Matt James does his love level, before he's on a date with Serena P, we are back at the end of the last rose ceremony. And Sarah Trot is being helped by a masked medic as she has just stumbled off the back of the riser and cannot breathe and is passing out. This masked medic was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. This masked medic was also my. <laughs> Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Not a lot of choices in this episode. Nope. The masked medic didn't have competition. Didn't get a lot of lines in. He's absolutely no Franco Lacosta, but he's what we had. And also what we had was Matt James breaking away from the rose ceremony to check on Sarah Trot, and he walks her outside to get some fresh air. And this is the reward that a player can expect for a well-played IFI. That is an injury, fear, or illness play. Sarah Trott obviously played it right in the middle of the rose ceremony. And now she's getting extra time with Matt James. This is another piece of proof that we are in the professional era. High-level IFI right in the middle of, what is this, the third or the second rose ceremony. And she's like, let me just derail this. We've had IFIs in the middle of rose ceremonies before, to be clear, but no one has made made the most of it like Sarah Trott does here. And another indicator we're in the professional era is the women also don't believe it, and they also understand the game implications of it. Anna says it's a joke. Now she's having this really pure and intense moment with Matt. She's getting exactly what she wants. Time. And in that moment when she's saying that, she and all the other women are still on their risers where the rose ceremony was, but now they're sitting down. And occasionally we will get shots like this. When rose ceremonies get interrupted and something has to be taken care of, producers or medics or somebody has to come in, they will let these players sit down. This is not an act they can perform without the producers saying that is okay. And it psychologically allows the players to relax a little. They think the show's not going on. We don't have to stand up. Meanwhile, everything's being taped. They're all still mic'd. We're getting it all. And so they're basically shit-talking Sarah here. This is where this attitude kind of starts. That's something they do on all of the Real Housewives reunions now, is they have these breaks, and it's everyone's like, oh, they're not filming anymore. And sometimes they'll say little asides or like little jokes or do something funny. And those, are, those end up being in the edit. At this point, they know it's part of it, so they try to do these little cutesy things that mm-hmm. are gonna. They know will be included. 
But Trot pulls tears. She also gets uh, a gentleman. This is when the bachelor gives their coat to a player. And she's like, I'm that's so embarrassing. I feel a lot better. Let's keep going. And then she apologizes to the women. I've never fainted before. I'm so sorry, you guys. Victoria, this is The Bachelor. It's not the Sarah show, but Sarah didn't get that memo. Coming in hot right off the top. (laughs) We're going to get to why, but I think it's probably obvious. Victoria is quickly becoming my favorite player of all time. Her high pace, 100% aggression at all times playing style is something we have never seen in our beloved game. And the fact that it is so successful is astounding to me. What she's able to do, especially tonight, God, I can't wait to get into some of her plays, but this is where it starts for her in this ITM where she's expressing her disdain for Sarah. And that is going to lead to something beautiful. By the way, it is inaccurate. This episode was the Sarah show. (laughs) I'd say it's probably more like the creature show, but you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, just so off track, <laughs> just lost in the donkeys now. Dark Lord Harrison apologizes to the women for the delay, and Matt says, "I want to apologize." There's only one of me, and so many of you all. It's only going to get tougher and tougher, and he completes the rest of the rose ceremony. Okay, Lamari, MJ, Anna, Kylie, and Victoria gets the last rose. And those are the people (laughs) who make it through this round. And of course, Victoria is always going to get that last rose because that's the producer rose. Yeah. She's going to have the highest RQ of all time. (laughs) She's going to break our RQ models because it's going to be like she's going to make it all the way to fucking hometowns or some shit with the last rose every time. Yes. She's going to completely fuck up all the averages yeah. of winners. Victoria Larson, the anomaly. <laughs> she gives, I mean, this might have been my favorite line she did this episode. At the end of Rose Ceremony, she says, Marilyn, manipulative, toxicity, jesters, queens, Victoria, positivity, realness, Matt's heart. I, I don't know what this stream of consciousness is. Both her and Sarah Trot reminded me of Crystal Nielsen in this episode mm. to some degree. But that was very like Crystal Nielsen going like glitter and doing jazz hands type thing. Just sort of like purposeful trolling. That's why you like her. She's a troll. Look, we'll get to it. But I like her because of commitment to play style. And then later we're going to find out in tonight's big game that she has a code of ethics which I did not think was present. And that elevates her in my mind to a superior player. Well, Marilyn thinks she's a good actor. She leaves with a parting shot at Victoria and pulls out tears. Pretty good. No one else gets an exit. Damn it. Goodbye, Kristen. We lost Marilyn, Sydney, and Ileana. And then those that remain cheers with Matt James as he discusses his excitement to continue the journey. And Victoria ITMs that now Marilyn's gone. And next it's Sarah's turn. She has a new target. She doesn't believe that the fainting was real. And her locking on to Sarah Trot as her new Terminator target was my... 
play, 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 play of the game. Now, this is going to be a play that unfolds in many different events and stages throughout the course of tonight's game, but it starts here. We have seen what happened when Victoria locked on to Marilyn. Bye-bye, gone. She didn't survive a round. And so now we're going to see what happens to Sarah Trot because Victoria has locked on to her. And this is why I'm saying her playstyle is actually becoming incredibly impressive to me. I thought at first it was an act. It may still be an act, but I thought it might have been a rudimentary kind of misunderstanding of the game. Now I understand that is not the case. She understands the game inside and out, and she is adept at playing it. I think you are way too quick to give her this 10-dimensional chess award (laughs) that I feel like you have given her as we've been watching this, but extremely entertaining. And she also... By the way, Matt James gives a toast. Here's to love. Good one, Matt. And uh, Victoria goes, here's to being vulnerable even when it's really tough. She gets her toast in, calls out Trot's IFI being fake. I'm not saying she's playing 10-dimensional chess, by the way. She's not. She's not even playing chess. said to me she might be the greatest player of all time. Yeah, but that doesn't mean she's playing any kind of chess. That implies that you think she's playing this masterful grand scheme game no not at all i think she has one strategy but she's playing it so aggressively it's just blowing people out of the fucking water it's definitely not chess it's more like just taking a sledgehammer to a car if that was a sport i mean she's just fucking crushing these people we'll get to it certainly she's not the most finessed player i totally agree on that portion two we get the announcement from DLH that he's had a long talk with Matt and we realized he needs to be pushed a little bit. He has trouble feeling uncomfortable. And he says, I've had a hand in curating a lot of these experiences. The point is being comfortable being uncomfortable. Two group dates, one one one-on-one. And Sarah picks up the group date card that he leaves in his dark wake and reads it. Today is a surprise for everyone. It's going to be Rachel, Bree, Lauren, Kit, Serena C., Victoria, Kayla, Anna, Kylie, and Katie on this date. Serena C. says that date card is kind of triggering because she was just on the last group date. And they're just like, oh, it's going to be another <laughs> horrible <laughs> thing that we have to do. You just the just the juxtaposition between group dates and one-on-one dates at this point is absolutely laughable. It's like a completely different show. We're watching Wipeout essentially for the group dates. Someone people going on horrible obstacle courses, having to do totally embarrassing things versus like romantic beautiful fantasy date, horseback riding, hot tubs. Yeah, I don't know when that started happening. I mean, there have always been humiliation group dates, forced violence group dates, forced nudity group dates. Those are kind of staples of the modern group date anyway, I would say since season 14 or so. But it does seem that they're ramping it up. It's now like the amount of dread players experience when their name is on a group date card is definitely higher than it has been in the past, I feel like. By the way, season one, the group dates were amazing fly to vegas and go gambling oh now this one's in tahoe lake sports one of them was on a yacht 
one of them was at a spa yeah they were just like <laughs> these great fucking times out and everybody got to hang luxurious out luxurious things yeah and now there's always that element of humiliation violence nudity something that is going to in quotes make you uncomfortable well the first group date that dark lord harrison has designed starts and something that we don't normally see on group dates happens right up top i proudly present to you the first hooju of the season now hoojus for those listeners who might not have heard this term before stands for hug jump it's a combination of those two words this is when a female player runs to the male lead jumps in the air clings to him in a full hug where they wrap their legs around his body and then does a dismount this can also be done by a female lead to a male player but so far we have never seen a male lead or player do it to a female player or lead still waiting for that day we've seen guy on guy we have seen guy on guy but we've never seen guy on female player or lead Mm. But here, we get the first Huju of the season, and this is performed by Kit Keenan. Overall, she pulls in a score of 6.84 for this Huju. The approach needs work. She appears to be jogging up to Matt, arm-in-arm with Victoria. Now, unless you're planning to do a Huju double team here, which has literally never been done in the history of our game, you want to be doing a solo approach, zeroing in on The Bachelor and have him zeroing in on you. At some point between shots, she has separated from Victoria and leisurely now approaches Matt James, a slow jog made slower, which gives her zero momentum coming up to the jump. Keenan's jump, I don't even know if it can be called a jump. It was more a hug that kind of forces Matt James to do the work of lifting her up under his own strength. Not a good approach. And then the cling itself, which finally happens after a second of hanging dead legged, is done once again by his forcing it but then once she gets into it it's kind of okay despite this initial hesitation and the lack of speed on her approach made the transition into the cling the worst part of the hooju for me and then the dismount is fine uh no points for difficulty but she does nail it overall the first hooju of the season had some points deducted for apprehension nervousness i believe that caused a less than enthusiastic approach and an amateurish transition into the cling so Kit Keenan, congratulations on the first Huju of the season. Wish it would have been better. We'll see what you can do in later rounds. Maybe you can make some improvements. Wow, I had the exact same note. That's <laughs> stunning. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You gave it a 6.842. <laughs> I mean, no, I give it a higher score because we don't normally see Huju's on group dates. You don't even normally see Huju's until playoffs, really, hometowns, one on one dates, always. So. The fact that she was able to stand out in this way, in a way that is recognized mostly just on this podcast, but there's some meme accounts, actually. Leg wrap. Leg wrap hug. If you're going to do a fucking hooju, do a fucking hooju. She was kind of 50% in, 50% out the whole time, and then when she was once in the hug, she was like, oh, fuck it, I guess I'll wrap my legs around him. It was all afterthought here, and it was an opportunity wasted, in my opinion. It gave no strong feeling to matt james that she was enthused to see him which is the primary function of the huju and it gave the viewers nothing to be happy about try again a little better next time get a good run that's all so after this botched huju 
They enter a building and they emerge into a darkened room where a familiar voice is reading softcore pornography. Who is this mystery woman pushing the envelope of what can and can't be said on network television? The lights come up and it's Ashley Iaconetti. Tired of looking at houses in her Instagram stories, apparently she's now in Nima Cullen. <laughs> she informs us that the text from which she was reading was none other than the perfect letter, a romance novel written by the Dark Lord himself in the blood of innocence. <laughs> Bachelor Queen said to me, he said, Ashley Iaconetti is reading out loud Dark Lord Harrison erotica. This is end time shit. <laughs> Prophecy. <laughs> It, is. it was such a like it was like a Clusian nightmare or dream combination of the two I don't know it does seem like the simulation is fritzing out at this point that this was the group date I knew the Dark Lord had penned this novel I was aware of it it was sitting in the back of his fucking yeah. study when they were doing the obviously Bachelor Greatest episodes or whatever I did not know that it contained erotica me either and now i'm like did he do the audiobook is there audio of him saying this shit that must exist you think he, I, doing an audiobook is a lot of work and then he pulled her hips close to his like yeah you're he's gonna say that he was positioning himself over her raising her hips to meet his by the way i had i realized in this moment that i have never pictured dark lord harrison having sex and now i have hmm. congratulations I still haven't. It still hasn't gotten that far deep into my what? fucking mind. Oh my god. I know. Even during this conversation. Hmm. hmm. Mental willpower. Kit said, I'm so shook this was in his wheelhouse. That was funny. Ashley tells them that they're writing their own love story with Matt and that they're going to share this story with the group, but also a live studio audience. Rachel starts setting up her good girl strategy here. She says, I'm very personal about this kind of stuff. She is setting up these walls that she's going to overcome on this group date. Very similar to what Jade Roper did on Chris Souls' season when they had the song performance group date. And it's a smart move. Whatever you're going to do, be like, I don't know if I can do it. I'm too scared, whatever. And then overcome it and flourish. I predicted... When she said that, I said, I predict she gets group date rose and she fucking got it. Yeah. Whatever the group date activity is, be scared of it for whatever reason you want to be. And then just fucking at the last moment, fuck it. I'm doing this balls to the wallet. You will get that rose almost every time. And we get some extra shots here of Ashley Iaconetti going around and checking on all the players as they're writing their erotica about Matt James. And we see a kind of standard erotica being written by Serena C., who's nervous about it a little bit. Katie is going to use this as an opportunity to talk about what she likes to do in bed. And then Ashley I comes to sit down next to Victoria, who reads a few of her lines, <laughs> and they are hardcore <laughs> pornography. And we see Ashley I gets in a little face play here in her reaction, and it's a beautiful thing to see Ashley I doing face play in the game again. Really appreciated that. Ashley goes, oh, we're going into X territory. <laughs> and Victoria says, you might as well go all out. I don't mind standing out, especially on group days. You have to group dates you have to take that initiative and she's correct it's fucking true this is what i'm saying she's a better player than we give her credit for she understands this 
a kind of integral piece of how to get through a group date. She understands it at least. Now, the method by which she's going to do it, again, is that 100% pure aggression at all times. She's taking it to level fucking million. Like, fuck this. We're supposed to write a nice love story. I'm going to write hardcore pornography about sucking dicks. But it's going to work in some ways for her. I don't know. I just was like, fuck, she understands what to do here. She's just playing it a little too hard still. So we're working on the preseason right now, and there's something that we are calling the trilogy, which is these three stories that players should prepare in the preseason coming into the show. And they're stories that can be formulated to different group dates, depending on what they are, whether you need to do a poem, a stand-up, a dramatic speech or reading, etc., and those are one is a comedic one that talks about your family life or some stuff in your personal life that builds your backstory, including in that a bunch of jokes. Two is a dramatic one where you include your PTC. That is the type of story you would have played on like Tasha's Tasha that that <laughs> that PTC parade episode. And then the third one is about your relationship with the Bachelor and. You can start setting that up in the preseason, things you like about The Bachelor, if you know who it is, but you should also be writing it in your journal the whole time, every single thing that has happened, and what kind of things you can talk about with it. Brie did that with this. She talks about their mud date, and Anna kind of does this, but future casting, where she talks about the fantasy suite, and how she's going to show him her tits, and he's going to say, you're the only one left. Yeah which I thought was a pretty strong move. But players should prepare all these things before they go on the show so that you don't spend this time writing or whatever, that you can spend that time interacting with the celebrity host or guest like Ashley I. Spend that time interacting with Matt James. We come back from commercial into portion three. Opening shot is what? Oh, it's just some creatures. Just some sheep under a tree. And a statue of a sheep. It's creatures and a an homage in sculpture form to creatures. <laughs> then we come back to the blue room at Nima Colon, and the live audience that DLH mentioned earlier is present, who's going to be there to listen to live readings of these pieces of erotica. This audience is, of course, the other players, very similar to what they did for the mandatory fight that they made the male players do on last season of Bachelorette. And so the group date performances begin. I know they're doing this because of COVID, but I like this element a lot of making the other women be the audience. I do too. It's a pretty fascinating psychological dynamic because those players get intel, essentially, on what that group date is and how people performed Mm -hmm. in it and stuff. It's a huge bonus to be in the audience of one of these dates, I feel like. Sarah is immediately having a bad reaction to this already. She ITMs that he has relationships with all these other women, and it's making her feel very bad. Katie is doing a little colorful narrator thing. says, I think this will bring us all a little closer on a deep, deep level. Continuing that Caitlin Bristow colorful narrator slash sexual sex positive persona similar format to the joke she told on night one while waving her dildo around saying this is going to be a long hard process 
Exact same joke construction. She pulls it off here again. Good job, Katie. Matt has to go first. He reads a story about a guy feeling up a woman while she's making a cake in the kitchen. And this works (laughs) like a charm. All of the players are experiencing some reactions to his words and performance. Porn-style music kicks in as a background score, and then it's Anna's turn. The players are now going to deliver their stories. And this is what you mentioned earlier, Pace Case. Anna Redmond builds to a comedic moment about having an orgasm when she's given the final rose, and Bree tells a story about rubbing mud on him, a reference to their one-on-one very smart play. Then we get a series of a few other players reading their stories. Rachel builds on her story of building nerves, and actually she's much more sexually explicit than we thought she was going to be. She talks about her groin fluttering. We see Sarah dropping her head into her hands in the back row. This is getting to her a little bit more. And then Katie's up, and these are the first words bleeped that we see from any player meaning she is saying something that crosses the lines of ABC's standards and practices, potentially pornographic, and it seems like she acts out an orgasm on stage. (laughs) Yes. She does the Meg Ryan in When Harry Met Sally. Sarah Trott does not want what she's having. She hates it. (laughs) And then Victoria takes the stage she itms that these girls are too (laughs) vanilla and her story is about a king and queen celebrating their engagement and hers is extremely pornographic even though they're bleeping out the words you can tell by context and kind of seeing the cadence a lot of what she's saying there's stuff in there about sucking cock for sure and she kills it everyone loves it matt james is laughing she gets a standing ovation even though it is laced with profanity this play works it fucking works it was such a strong play also she's just hitting that brand identity so hard she ends it with he screamed yes queen and the women loved it so her second audience game is improving She went from being a villain. I'm not saying she's not a villain now, but certainly less so. She seems to be now on the side of the players. She's, I mean, we'll get to it. What what happens makes them all kind of refocus their attention on who? The target she selected at the beginning of the fucking game. Who, after she reads her erotica, Sarah, of course, ITMs that these women reading these words felt like a knife through the heart. She invokes Sleucian protocol here in basically saying she knew what she signed up for with him dating these other women. She just didn't know it was going to be this hard. Sleucy and Protocol, for any listeners who don't know, is named after an all-star player, Hannah Ann Sluss, from the 24th season of The Bachelor. That was P.P., a.k.a. Pilot P., a.k.a. Peter Weber. In that season, there is a player named Madison Pruitt, who does not want to have sex with him in the fantasy suites, and she does not want him to have sex with any of the other players. She has a conversation with Hannah Celeste about this. In an ITM, Celeste says, we knew what we signed up for, implying it is understood that when you come into this process, the lead is going to be dating and potentially having sex with many other women. And here, Sarah says she understands that. It is just harder than she thought it would be. And Dark Lord Harrison 
tells the studio audience to go home. Another benefit of having the other players in the audience is this part when everybody's kind of, you know, sexually charged from the day portion, then they have to go home. Portion four. The women who are not on the group date discuss what they would have written. Piper talks some game strategy, says, I was thinking about what I would have written, how I could have elevated this relationship through what she was saying. She knows that every single thing you do is deeply important. She describes that strategy as being layered. I have the same note. Piper's a high-level player. She understands that anything you do in-game has to be focused on the first audience if that is your end goal. Uh, This was brilliant to hear her say this, and it's just unfortunate that we didn't get to see her on that group date. I would have loved that. Yeah, I can almost guarantee that she watched the episode where Luke P. Love Level 4 to Hannah Brown on stage. (laughs) Piper was in my top four. I mean, still is, obviously. But there's something about her. I'm telling you. She's got it. She understands how to play this game, and I think she may be going top four. She did a really strong parasocial play this week. Um, I put it in our Instagram stories, but she was talking about like what has been difficult about modeling being a person of color, and it was very good. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to need a whole fucking new top four. <laughs> None of my top four are going to be the top four. <laughs> <laughs> I can no longer call myself a professional. Sarah Trot tells them she, it was hard to watch. She felt feelings of jealousy. Jasenia, again, with the emotional intelligence, those are very valid emotions. Trot goes, imagine having your dream date and then seeing that shoved in your face. I felt dirty watching that. Back on the group date after party, that says, a toast to exploring love tonight. Almost exactly the same as his last toast, which was, to fighting love step it up gotta come up with some different shit his speeches are all incredibly generic yeah other than his opening prayer every speech he's given has just been interchangeable in my opinion I mean I I think I would prefer to like prayers <laughs> every cheers is a cheers to Jesus yeah this one could be like a sex prayer <laughs> like, <laughs> are there those Rachel tells Matt James in their one-on-one time that she was super uncomfortable but was trying to give it her all. And Matt says, it sounded like something that could take place. I want to fuck you. (laughs) He doesn't say the last part. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. They didn't put that on TV. But she returns the sentiment by telling him she hasn't felt this way in a long time or this quickly ever. This is... The raising of her love level to love level one. As we know, charting the progress of all players through our game exists on the love level scale of which there are four levels. The first one is some version of I like you or I'm having feelings for you or I can't believe I'm feeling something like this this quickly. The second level is I'm starting to fall for you or starting to fall in love with you or some variant of that. I could see myself falling in love with you. Or we'll get to one later. I could potentially fall in love with you love level three is 
I am falling for you or am falling in love with you in the process of falling. And then, of course, love level four is I am in love with you. I love you. Any variety of that statement that means you have arrived at the final emotion, it is in full bloom and you are now at love level four. And occasionally somebody will do a love level five, which is not real, but it is an exaggerated expression of a love level four that says I love you more than the universe or I'm totally head over heels or something like this. She gets a makeout from that love level raise. And then we cut back to the other women at the after party, all talking about how the date was empowering for them to talk about these sexual things and talk about what they like to do sexually. And this conversation is essentially led by Katie Thurston, who is telling all the women, this is how it should be. We should feel comfortable. This is a great thing. And she is bonding not only with these women in a strong second audience game, but this moment is a great fourth audience moment because we're at home watching this saying, yes, we agree with you. That is exactly what I wrote. Second and fourth audiences here. Nailing it, Katie Thurston. And then Bree gets her one-on-one time. And this is uh, where she asks him if he understood her allusions to their date. (laughs) They weren't really... I mean, I guess they were allusions, but it was more like she was just saying exactly what happened on their date. Did you get it? Yeah, I understood. It was the mud. It was the mud from the the ATV crash that didn't happen. Oh, that ATV crash did happen. (laughs) Now now it happened. Yeah, it did. Okay. He tells her <laughs> that he did understand Jesus. her veiled illusions, and she apologizes for her sexual descriptions being too PG. He says he liked the PG tone. It leaves some mystery, and he's on her same page. They both want to keep the intimate details of their relationship private. I don't know if this means they're both a little prudish or what it actually meant, but... It gets her a kiss, so it worked. Back at the, what are we calling this? The rec room, the hotel lobby. I have like a hundred different names for it because I have no idea. The common room, the chamber, I've been calling it as well. (laughs) The chamber. (laughs) But something else gets the chamber a little later, so. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I was going to say that sounds more like um, the ivory tower. Yeah, exactly. So I've been calling it. Back at the Nema common room. Oh, nice. I like that one. There's a knock, and Abigail says, my heart sinks every time I hear the knock because there's a date card that has arrived. It is this Pavlovian response, like they're in a prison. The prison guard has dropped off a message or something. (laughs) That message is, Serena P gets the one-on-one. You know what it reminds me of? this reaction to the knock I have been watching this show called Alice in Borderland on Netflix and I will recommend it to anyone who likes horror it is about these people who get trapped in this weird game where once every few days they have to go into a building where the walls will be shut down or whatever and there might be guns and there's cell phones and a weird game of murder starts and you have to play it or you get killed so when they go into these buildings they don't know what the game is going to be They just show up and then lasers force them inside the building and then they're told the rules. And I feel like this is that same reaction. They're like, oh shit, the game is starting. (laughs) What are the rules? Sounds scary. We'll not be watching. (laughs) Not the same vibe as uh, my current pleasure, Real Housewives of New Jersey. (laughs) No, very different. Uh, But still a good show. (laughs) 
And so the date card comes and it is a one-on-one date that reads, let love lead the way. And this is for Serena P. Sarah is not there. Sarah is in her own private room somewhere and will not come down. They make it seem like she has her own hotel room. Is this the case? Are all of these players given their own rooms? Kind of like it was in La Quinta? I assume, yes, right? There's enough rooms, obviously. I assume because we haven't seen them in like a group bunk bed situation. And maybe they needed the rooms in order to quarantine them. No, but we had... We had that drama last week, Victoria and Mary Lynn rooming together. So I don't know. Sarah somehow gets her own room. She is sitting in that room, fire crackling in the background, and she ITMs emotional exhaustion. She's been triggered by all of this because faithfulness and commitment issues and jealousy were things that crept up in her past relationships, and she knows she needs to get past these issues or they are going to wreck her time in game with Matt James. So... She walks off into the night, presumably to crash the group date. This is exactly what Blake Moynes did just one season ago during uh, the last season of Bachelorette. And the final shot we get here is Katie Thurston is talking to Matt James. And it seems like they're having a good conversation. And then Sarah Trott walks up and interrupts the fucking date. And the last image we get is Matt James' surprised face. Huh? Sarah Trot crashing the group date that she's not on was my play 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 of the game. I need to issue a caveat with this awarding of the play of the game because this is based on a rumor that we have heard which is that Sarah Trot has had a boyfriend the whole time, that she is a Jed situation. And I am presuming that to be true, and I don't know that it's true, but I'm presuming that that's true, that she has a limited time in game, that she was looking to blow it up at some point. And the way that Sarah Trot blows up her game in this episode was... I'm sorry, Victoria was wrong. It is the Sarah show. This whole episode was about her. She was in almost every scene, except the donkey scenes, essentially. (laughs) And the way that she goes about this is masterful. We'll get to it, but I loved it. We've seen it before. We've seen players crash dates they're not on. Blake Moynes, I remember a woman crashed a group date on Charlie O'Connell's season, and that was a huge deal. And they do tend to leave. <laughs> but Sarah Trot is is on a is not on a group dating show. She's on a one on one dating show with Matt James and there's some people getting in the way. <laughs> I thought it was a high level play as well. It was not my play of the game, obviously. Mine is the larger Victoria retargeting of Sarah Trot, but what she was able mm-hmm. to do as a result of this, which we're about to get into with portion five, was It was so fucking exquisite to watch her play here that I am very sad about the final outcome of tonight's big game, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's a high-level player. I mean, no fucking doubt about it. She knows exactly what the fuck she's doing, which leads me to tend to agree with you that this seemed calculated. She had to get out of the situation because I think she was like, fuck, how far can I go before this is going to blow up in my face? 
Portion five opens with the continuation of Sarah coming in to interrupt Katie and she pulls off the steel. Just lickety split. Sorry, can I talk to him for a minute? Katie is pissed about this, but she allows it. This is a steal that is allowed to happen right in front of our face. And we're going to see in a second. You think she could have blocked it? Absolutely. I think it's hard because you assume it's an emergency. (laughs) You assume something horrible has happened, as uh, Victoria says. You could point blank say that. If it's emergency, fine. But if not, just like two more minutes. We're almost done. And then I'll come get you. Yeah, she should have asked for the time. I think she was deer in headlights with this. Absolutely. There were better ways to play this. Ultimately, Katie comes out on top through the end of this episode. But this moment right here was, it could have been blocked. But Katie goes back to the group and tells the women, Sarah is here. And they all have their reactions, including Victoria. Victoria says a line here that says, I would no problem interrupt somebody else's time on this group date, but I would never interrupt another date that I was not on. This is where Victoria lays out. She's got a fucking code of ethics and it has to do with the rules of the game. What she perceives to be overstepping bounds. This fascinated me because I didn't think she had that. I thought she was like, fuck it. I'll interrupt anything, anytime I want. Fuck everybody here. She's like, no, what Sarah did is bullshit. Again, this is coming off to be like you're trying to make it 10-dimensional chess, and I don't think it is. I think she's just like, you know what? This is wrong, even though I bet she would have done it if she thought of it. No, I'm not saying it's 10-dimensional chess or anything, but it's like she... Yes, it's the experimental art. Yeah. What what was it? Performance art. Perf- you, yeah, you're calling her a performance artist. I don't know if it's performance art either, but she has an allegiance to the game. She has a loyalty to the structure of it here. That was fascinating to me. I didn't think she had that. I thought she was more like, fuck it, I'll tear up anything. And she does a small mini move here where she goes, Katie, go back. She kind of makes Katie do that that dirty work for her. This is part of targeting her. Now, this shit really is high level. I don't know if she's operating on a conscious level of this, but subconsciously or instinctively, she knows I can send in Katie to attack my target and she fucking does it. She gets Katie to do it. That's high level shit. I'm sorry. That is 10 dimensional chess. I told you that is what you think. This move is, yeah. (laughs) Generally, no, but this move, definitely. I was like, that is fucking crazy. No, it's great. And she ends up doing it again to Katie later, but Katie goes back to attempt an Italian steal. This is where you steal back from the person who stole from you. She says, can I have my time back? Trot goes five minutes. Katie goes two minutes. And then she stands behind this partition right right next to them. And uh, this whole scene for Katie, as good of a player as she is, this was all misplayed here. If you're going to come to do the steal, you either can't take no for an answer stick it or you leave and you accept the block she does some kind of middle play here where she's like well five minutes and then she's like how about two and then they're like no you go stand in the corner and she just stands there kind of looming over the conversation and then she comes back in a few minutes later and aggressively kind of sits down next to matt as if to say your time's up and sarah just is like look if you want to play we can play matt will you walk me out and he says of course 
They leave and walk out, and Katie is left sitting on that couch by herself as Matt is now making out with Sarah Trot. This entire strategy, which I think was at the very least prodded by Victoria Larson, it falls flat. It does not work in this moment. Can you walk me out? That moment, crushing for Katie, but also just she gets that goodnight kiss. She's able to like manipulate the situation in that way. It was very Crystal Nielsen to me again. Incredibly high level. Crystal, by the way, was a player on Ari Lion Dick season. This is I mean, this is Crystal Nielsen on steroids though. I think the better play here for Katie Thurston would have been a victimization play. You let Sarah have all the time she wants. And then later, Matt's going to have to come back to you to make that up. She interrupted your conversation. And when he does, you throw a little guilt his way. That sucks I got interrupted. I really wanted to have time with you. And he owed you that before. Now, after this play where you come in and sit down next to him and all this, he doesn't owe you anything. So I do think there was a better way to play this. Ultimately, we're going to find out Katie comes out of this whole game pretty unscathed. So it didn't matter. But this was just a little bit of play that I think could have been done better. Trot then comes back to the group and says, I wanted to steal Matt for a couple minutes and apologizes. And Sir, the women are not letting her have it. Serena goes, Dark Lord Harrison said everyone's getting time this week. And Victoria goes, what did you have to address? It's probably pretty serious. <laughs> I love that line of questioning. Oh, you must be dying are you dying <laughs> and trot won't bite she says it's between us just wanted to let you know why i'm here victoria you didn't tell us why you're here <laughs> it's just foot on the fucking gas as hard as she can press all the time i love watching it fuck and then sarah just fucking pieces out she does not stick around for the rest of this fucking apology she was like i tried fuck you you don't accept it bye she vaporizes and in an ITM, she is crying. This is one of her biggest fears that people were going to turn against her because of something that was going to happen. She was going to be misunderstood. And Sarah is outside crying in the darkness when somebody comes out to be an STCO. That's a shoulder to cry on. Who is it? It's Victoria Larson. Now, this shit is high level. This is the person she just made cry. This is her target. She has stated that openly. She's now coming out to be an STCO because she knows there's screen time involved and she knows that she can control this manipulation here one more time. It's an extra opportunity to just twist the fucking knife. God damn, it was brilliant. I laughed so hard. And she's like, I was worried about you. Is it about her health? I mean, we don't see her as malicious, so it must be serious. These lines are so good. (laughs) And Trot says, you know, this, I had to talk to him about something important to me. I'm going through a lot emotionally, physically. It's been eating away at me. Is she implying that this is somehow related to her IFI on the risers? Possibly. And then as Katie kind of gets into the conversation with Sarah, Victoria just fucking vanishes. You literally just see her turn around and walk into the shadows. She is gone. She has set this up 
gotten Katie to come out again and engage in this potential rivalry, and then she just goes away. This is high-level shit. This is 10-dimensional chess. This part is. Oh, my Not everything God. she does, but See, this I'm part just is. See, I'm just I was just telling you the truth of what you thought and you hadn't gotten there yet. You're right. The way you're talking about her, I mean, the flourishes that you apply to the language in which you're describing Victoria <laughs> makes it clear to me. I'm fine. So be it. It's like a you're eating a delicious meal. Katie tells her, you know, you could have waited. You took time away from the girls. You're taking time away from Matt. Katie does that a bunch of times in this episode where she keeps reiterating that this is hurting Matt also by not allowing him to make the best choices. Good implicit praising of process. And Sarah tells her that she is questioning if she can be here at all anymore. And Katie says, well, you better make up your mind to do it quick because you're wasting his time and everyone else's time. Matt comes back over to the rest of the ladies on the group date, says, y'all really brought it earlier today doesn't address Sarah Trot crashing, doesn't address the fact that several women have turtled. Um, he says, tonight and earlier today, I feel like my relationship with someone progressed and I'm excited she's part of this journey. Rachel? Rachel gets a group date, Rose. For her love level one, her setting up a wall that she overcame on the group date. For not turtling. Very important part of this very traditional play style on this group date and it pays off for her again it's mimicable any players out there when you're on a group date you express fear or the inability to proceed in whatever the activity is initially and then once you have to do the activity you do it without hesitation your wall has come down and then you express that in your one-on-one with a slight love level raise it's an almost guaranteed rose And as Anna says in an ITM, time is a commodity here. Sarah is a billionaire. We're sitting with a dollar. The girl with the most time took it from the person with the least time. I'm so angry. I'm so upset. And Anna Redman is quickly carving out a new role for herself called the timekeeper, which is somebody who is constantly (laughs) concerned about every second any player has with Matt James. But she's correct in it as well. It is a game of time and she's measuring it correctly. Serena then ITMs some tears that she wants to go home. This is so irritating. She feels she's always getting robbed of time. Another time cop. In this moment, we find out that there was a perfect opportunity for a union play here, a group play. Any time the players are together, (laughs) they can unionize to get collective results. When Sarah Trott came back, they all could have immediately gone to Matt James and said, she leaves now, you have no conversation with her, or we all walk. Then the decision is up to him. He obviously can't have that. The producers wouldn't allow that many players to leave at once. Sarah Trot would be excommunicated. As a collective group, you can get almost anything you want out of the show if you're willing to apply the correct pressure and kind of step outside the norm of what you might expect from the game. So far, we have never seen a union play done, but it would make Clues' year future players. It requires all players to be involved as well a union is only as strong as its weakest member and if one of those players breaks ranks and is like you could do whatever you want i don't care it fails so you all have to stick together but it can be done i'm just saying we begin portion six we're at the nema common room 
Katie tells the ladies, I couldn't sleep. I wanted to see if Sarah is here. And she lets the other women know that she had crashed the group date and that she's considering leaving. And that other women are mad at her. Serena P is getting ready for her one-on-one date. Victoria says, can you tell Matt that Sarah sucks just briefly? Brilliant. (laughs) And sending others to do her dirty work again. The queen. And then Matt comes in and finally addresses the group about Sarah, and the group informs him that she's not present. So he goes to check on her in her room, and Sarah already is shitting all over the tone of Serena P's one-on-one date. Matt was supposed to show up and take her out on the date. Now he's forced to go talk to Sarah in her room. And the other women all say that they believe she is simply looking for validation, and this is all a big manipulation on her part. We saw this on Sean Lowe's season. He's supposed to go on a date with Ashley Frazier and Tierra causes a problem. She faked one of the most iconic IFIs in the history of the game where she yes. fell down the stairs. Yeah, Sarah couldn't do that here because she had already done it. It's an emotional <laughs> IFI. But Matt James comes into her room, lays down on the bed with her, and then they talk on the couch. And she starts to tear. And she tells him she almost left. And he says that would be a tragedy and he wants her here. He tells her that she's on his mind. And he was actually happy that she interrupted the group date the night prior. MJ is essentially wrapped around her finger here. He knows the other women are not going to be happy, he says. But at the end of the day, it's about their connection. And he tells her he'll fucking come by her room every day if that's what it takes. He's offering her a brand new play style that we've never seen. An isolation game. Uh, incredible. He also love level ones here. Says, I will continue to remind you how much I care about you. It's unbelievable. She could have stayed in that room for the entirety of the season and he would have come back and had these little private one-on-one dates with her. That would have been a fascinating game style, the isolation chamber, to play here. And I yeah. don't think she understood what was actually being offered. Obviously, she doesn't take him up on it. But she gets a kiss here. And the other women are wondering where he is. He's been gone for some time. Matt comes back to the group. That was a long five minutes. Joking about time with these women who are so serious about time. They're not having it. Victoria says, today is Serena's day. Because he's talking about why he talks to Sarah. and It's all okay. And he's spending a couple minutes explaining himself. And Victoria's like, just get out of here. It's Serena's day. Once again... This is evidence of her code of honor. It's the fucking with someone's time in the game is against what she believes the game is about. And even in this moment, she's sticking up for someone else's time. I don't think I could disagree with you more. I think that this is, she has targeted Sarah Trot and she's taking Sarah Trot down. She's like, stop talking about Sarah Trot. Go to fucking ride horses with Serena. That too. I'll take both of these as good fucking oh strategies. She's so good. <laughs> Fuck. I just, I, I'm worried for you because I feel like you're getting your hopes up and I feel like the two on one is going to be next week. Oh yeah. She's not long for the game, but her play style is just yeah. so fucking entertaining. And I'm seeing it now at a little bit of an elevated level for sure because of what she did this fucking Actually, game. Maybe we won't get the two on one because we're getting the new players. Mm. So maybe she has two more weeks in her. Maybe. Portion seven. We start the one-on-one date. 
It is an animal husbandry date. Matt and Serena are riding horses. Matt says that what Serena lacks in size, she brings to the table in personality. And this bubbly, always positive personality is definitely the game that Serena P is bringing to the table. Nothing sets her back. She's not set back by the Sarah Trot incident, which is very important. Also, Serena seems to be a skilled horseback rider, which is very smart to come into the game with that skill. Horses are in almost every season. They are the animal totem of our beloved game. They ride horses to a picnic area where they dehorse and spread out a blanket, and she explains to Matt James how to make a charcuterie board. She talks about how her dad didn't want her to do the show, but she trusts herself and her decision-making ability, and he tells her he knows what it's like to live someone else's dreams. He did that for a very long time, and he thinks everyone should lead their own lives. He talks about his mom's support for him coming on the show, and he sees what it's like to get older through her uh, and not be in a relationship not having a partner and that is not what he wants for his own life he then ll1s her the feelings he has for her are real they kiss and as they are kissing a donkey comes up and this was our creature of the week that we stated at the earlier part of the show but here now we get to see why the creature of the week is the creature of the week this donkey steals the fucking scene you don't see that often from a creature they're having this nice romantic moment and then a donkey comes in hee-haw hee-haw and a bunch of other fucking donkeys come in and it's a big donkey party where they're taking fucking selfies with them with a little polaroid and shit and petting them and they're walking around and uh these donkeys of course were sent in by the producers at the exact moment that they wanted them to be interrupted nonetheless the donkeys did their job and they were cute and they are the creature of the week i mean more than that i mean we've been something that's unique for this season is that we have been starting every episode with a clip that's from mid-episode and this donkey made that clip for this one we had mj the vibrator we had sarah trot's ifi and this donkey and also we've got a couple days until a very important donkey event is going to happen the inauguration of our Democratic President Joe Biden. You believe this was a subtle nod at Joe Biden? And now this would have been shot, by the way, before Election Day. A prediction? They would have had to have set these donkeys up (laughs) before Biden was elected. Yeah, that's seeming more of a stretch what I'm saying now. (laughs) But, uh, you know, maybe it is a... Maybe... Mike Fleiss isn't really involved so much in the day-to-day, but he was like, you know what? This one's going right before the inauguration. Get that donkey in there. (laughs) (laughs) They flew Matt James and Serena P. back to reshoot this date and put donkeys in it. Look at what you've done to me. I'm reading into everything. There's meaning in everything. If you see meaning in it, Everything is a bigger conspiracy. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy, but those are donkeys. That does have some subliminal effect on the fourth audience when you see a bunch of fucking donkeys running around. They're not riding elephants. They could have got some elephants in there. After the Creature of the Week steals the show, Matt James reveals that he had a turtle as a child. Serena gives him just amount 
just the right amount of shit. Oh my God, were you a weird kid? And she says something in an ITM. She says, I'm not usually someone who catches feelings for someone quickly. I'm falling in like right now, which is a loading of love level one. And then portion eight begins. It is nighttime. The women are back in the Nima common room, shit-talking Sarah for digging her own hole as she stays self-sequestered in her isolation chamber. Back on the one-on-one with Serena P., <laughs> Matt James and Serena enter a room for dinner by a fireplace. He tells her, you did well today. Anyway, they briefly recount the donkey experience, and he asks her about her past relationships. She divulges she has only had one serious relationship, but she did think this guy was the one. Turns out he wasn't. And she unveils her Heartbreak PTC. A strong play on a one-on-one. Always to do your PTC. She says the breakup was very painful, but it is in the past now. And then she asks him about his past. His last relationship was a four-monther that took place last year. And when it got to putting a title on it, he realized he didn't want to just casually date someone. And this relationship wasn't going to make it all the way to marriage. So he bailed. She asks him if he's ever been in love. And he says, love for me looks different than it did in college and fresh out of college. I can't say I've been in love yet. I really liked someone. And Serena says, I was very deeply in love with my ex. I know what that looks like. Transitions that into, I was definitely caught off guard how fast things move, how quickly feelings are growing. I said earlier, I was falling into like with you. So she's alluding to how she revealed this in an ITM. She didn't tell him that. I could see myself potentially falling in love with you, which is weird. An exquisite love level two raise. This was almost my play of the game. It was like watching a fucking (laughs) ice skater pull off some incredibly complicated triple Lutz or some shit. Love level twos are extremely rare in the game. They exist. They should be used more often. And here she does a love level one before I knew I was falling in like with you. Transitioned beautifully into, but now I definitely know that I could potentially be falling in love with you. It's this stutter step that allows you the illusion of progress, the illusion of building your emotional connection without really saying anything. Love level two is like, it's this beautiful second step that can allow you to elongate your love level raising throughout the course of the season. She uses it expertly here and of course gets a kiss and he picks up that one-on-one rose and she fucking gets it. And then he tells her, The LL1 and LL2 she just played are mutual fucking feelings, implying the level of a raise right back. It was beautiful. A beautiful play by Serena P here. Yeah, I'll give that a love level one from him to her. He didn't really outright say it, but he admitted there were feelings, so that's love level one. He says, your energy is infectious. They kiss... He gives her the rose in exchange for that love level raise and her heartbreak PTC earlier that day. And they get rewarded with a hot tub and some more making out. And then back at the Nima Common room, all the rest of the women are shit-talking Sarah still, who is 
Once again, not present. She is still in her isolation, <laughs> isolation chamber. chamber. There is a knock at the door. It's a date card. Rachel has it. She's about to read the names when Sarah enters, interrupting the reading without saying a word. This is producer manipulation at its finest. They sent her in right at that moment. When all the women are there, they go to her isolation chamber and they're like, you have to come. There's a date card reading. Get down there. And they send her in right at this moment to interrupt everyone and that is the end of portion eight. By the way, I should note that MJ here says, silence is just as loud. It speaks volumes. She's referring to Sarah Trot, but I was reminded that she didn't say shit about the uh, white supremacist insurrection. MJ didn't? So it's like, yeah. <laughs> she said, oh, she no. made a post of her that said, more love, less hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was her uh, speaking out. Anyway. (laughs) Well, portion nine begins with MJ definitely speaking out because she is chewing Sarah out. Rachel slips the date card back in the envelope and sits the fuck down. She is not going to get a chance to read the names on this group date card. (laughs) In fact, it won't even be read this episode. It happens every once in a while that date cards don't get read, but it is extremely rare. Sarah is now forced to apologize to the rest of the group. She tries to explain that she was planning to go home yesterday because she was so overwhelmed. Victoria does not accept the apology whatsoever. (laughs) I just can't get enough of watching her play. Usually when a player comes back to do the apology... Even players who don't want to accept the apology will kind of begrudgingly do it and then just keep their distance from that player. Victoria just gets right in her face. Well, no, I don't accept the apology. This is not the Sarah show. (laughs) Every step of everything that she says, Trot is like, oh, you know, you know me. I didn't, I got overwhelmed. Victoria says, nobody knows you. Trot's like, well, hopefully you know my heart. Victoria goes, I haven't. Who is she talking to here? And then it's just a cascade of all the other players kind of jumping in. Abigail, Anna. Yeah, even Abigail. Kayla, Serena C. And Anna and Victoria kind of team up on her saying, all you wanted was validation. And Sarah says she wants to make amends with them. And Victoria says, well, what if I don't want to make amends with you? (laughs) It's literally every time she's trying to apologize, Victoria is just like, fuck you, no. Anna says, if I talked to him every time I felt insecure, no one else would talk to him. It felt calculated. Serena C goes, manipulative, toxic. Victoria, I concur. And then in an ITM, (laughs) Victoria says, if Matt sends her home, I will want to fuck him. She's just zinger after zinger this episode. But that's also conveying her love of the game if he can see through her shit if he can see that she is trying to manipulate him through play that is attractive to her it's his gameplay that she finds attractive if he's able to see through this fascinating to me she has a deep understanding of the game her ultimate play style is a little too brash but she's fascinating that's all i'm saying but kit gets the last word here and she says She hopes Sarah has a good relationship with Matt because the rest of her living situation here is going to be horrible. Just a threat. Straight threat. 
Like, <laughs> and then Sarah ITMs in tears, and she tries to talk to MJ in the hall. MJ avoids her. All the women are aggressively shutting her out. And this is the new power of the group dynamic in the professional era. If you go against a rule or you overstep your bounds in some way, the group can literally shut you out of the game. And we're watching it happen. It's such an open discussion of time, too. Like, I don't feel like we've seen this on a season before. It's the professional era. Where it's just like we're all openly talking about how we need to, like, share time with him. And we get to portion 10. Trot still crying in her isolation chamber. And Katie Thurston comes in to see her to play the STCO shoulder to cry on and says, how are you feeling? That was hard to watch. I didn't like that. Trot says, I'm going to leave. I can't do this. Katie's like, is it because of the girls? Trot says, combination of things. And Katie says, if you have a connection with Matt, I want you to explore that completely. I don't want to be a backup plan. And him wondering, what if? This is a very 4TRR play that she's doing here. And Trot says, I, there's feelings, but all my worst insecurities are coming out. I'm in the not in a good headspace. I haven't opened up to you about my situation with my dad, but he has a terminal illness. Trot starts crying. Katie starts crying. And Trot says, time away from him. It's weighing on my heart. I thought I was ready. And Katie goes, my dad passed away in 2012. I encourage you to be with him. If I could get back minutes I had with him, I would. And this PTC by Katie to Trot, death of a father, was my... Play, 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 play of the game. Wait, wait, wait. Didn't you already play a, P- a play of the game <laughs> earlier? You have two plays of the game? Yes, but I realized that I had revised my play of the game and I just forgot. <laughs> okay. Um, sure. This... <laughs> You know, it's, it's, I'm in my isolation chamber. I need this. Okay. Just let me know it. Um, Katie is doing so many things with this play. I mean, this whole STCO entirely, but it's excellent second audience. She's seriously um, bonding with Trot. And it's also, an amazing fourth audience play because we're seeing this PTC from her that we had no idea was coming and she's coming off extremely for TRR you know encouraging Trot to stay if there's feelings but also being like spend that time with your dad Katie has like a she she made errors when Trot was doing the original steals but the rest of the way that she has played this has been really excellent to me and she's sort of kind of acted as like the head of household in addressing these and she will do that coming up as well but you know she doesn't know she's gonna get on a one-on-one date why not play it to Sarah Trot this play was also for me almost a play of the game whatever missteps she might have had in the initial trot steal scenario they're all erased here 
with what I think is one of the most brilliant plays so far we've seen from her. As you're saying, she gets this PTC out in a way that allows us, the fourth audience, to see it. We're not going to see it if she doesn't get that one-on-one time with Matt. So not only does it have uh, an initial effect on us, shit, we know about this PTC she has, we're now waiting for her to play it. It's going to get double value in the fourth audience when we see Matt's reaction to it. So she's getting far more screen time out of this PTC than you normally would, and she's Mm going to get far more value. And the fact that it is, again, this mirror PTC, which is something that's happened in La Quinta a lot, but is now happening here too, is beautiful because it really, again, as you're saying, hits that 4TRR. You can tell both of these players really are connecting over these shared tragedies in their life. And as, you know, over the top as it seems like it is, Trot isolating herself, all of this drama, it does feel like she is being ganged up on and bullied. And Thurston is the one, only one reaching out an Olive Branch. And also us knowing Katie's PTC, it's going to change the way the fourth audience sees all of the rest of her play as well. She says, I missed out on my goodbye to my dad and I don't want that for you. You know, in case you were thinking of staying, Trot, <laughs> that could happen to you. Yeah, it was really a brilliant play. A very high-level play, executed very well. And I agree with what you're saying, too. It, it gives her gravity that she didn't have before. Prior to this, she was the sex-positive dildo girl. Now she's a full character, mm-hmm. a complete human being who does have a very legitimate PTC. And after this, she punctuates this conversation by announcing to the other women that she talked to Trot that she's going to quit that she has a really big family thing looming over her and that we should stay classy in this process because we don't know people's stories but before that we see Sarah pack her bags and get in a car and pull away to go tell Matt she can't be here she's not in the right headspace and then in portion 11 we see the thing you're talking about with Katie Thurston where she's holding court and explaining they should stay classy because they don't know each other's stories and this ends in an engagement and people need to figure out their shit right now as early as possible I feel like there's always a, a player who says this for TRR line like and if anyone's not here to get if anyone's not serious about it you should leave sometimes it's a lead the 4TRR guardian and then (laughs) Sarah goes to Matt's dwelling and she has tears in her eyes she says she feels so alone and family means everything to her and she just feels attacked by the other women in the house which she does not like to hear she says she apologized to them and was completely attacked some of the women are just really cruel and malicious she says and it's very hard for her he LL1s her in response. He tells her that he has real feelings for her and he doesn't want to lose her. She thanks him for saying all that, but then says she has prayed about it and she feels called to go home. This is a, another kind of religious foundation in the dumping of someone. In this case, it's going to be player to lead. But once she has mm-hmm. said this, he ha- he can't argue. This is it. Yeah. And he tells her he will not stop thinking about her or praying for her dad, and he's going to miss her, but when she's ready, some guy's going to be extremely lucky. He handles this extremely well for a lead, then he walks her out. She gets in the car, he shuts the door, and she has essentially a nervous breakdown. Head in hands, sobbing, 
the producers even this season are outdoing themselves third episode full nervous breakdown have we ever seen something that quick i mean someone that we both thought was a front runner possible ring winner possible runner up i do think that covid plays a part in this but no i don't think we've seen someone break down like this who was not a contender anyway part of me was like they do include this line where she's like that's the hardest thing i've ever done i do have feelings for him part of me thinks he's i'm making a mistake because he's so great so i was like is she gonna return it doesn't feel like it it doesn't feel like it did with ben smith but yeah i don't think so because they have six new players coming in i don't think there's room for her to yeah. return. i don't think they give her the shot yeah but <laughs> they'd give her the shot in her exit speech she says this is not the best sarah and matt deserves the best sarah i gave it my all i just can't do this and she says maybe she's making a mistake because he's so incredible and this is the end of my play of the game here from victoria she targeted sarah trot at the beginning of this week sarah trot is gone her targeting worked yeah. and i don't think that was coincidental Fair point <laughs> i think she orchestrated much of this she got the entire group to turn against her in a very strategic manner that is the part that i don't feel like we've seen before totally that's what i'm saying victoria is playing some new kind of game here and i don't think it's going to be getting her to top four or anything but in this like first couple of phases she is so effective at eliminating people and just keeping everybody on edge that it's it's just a new play style it's almost like noah herb without the kind of uh youthful charm it's just a full court press at all times yeah i mean is she our chaos queen to noah's chaos king she's impressive and i i mean she's what i'm waiting for next week she's the reason that i'm looking very forward to whatever happens next week yeah i just i wish trot was still in it because I want to see those dynamics play out. I want to see more Kit versus Trot. <laughs> I agree. Sarah Trot was a fantastic player, but eliminated by, in my opinion, Victoria Larson. And that is why Victoria yep. Larson was my MMMMMVP. She dominated this game, even though it might have been the Sarah Trot show in terms of screen time or narrative. Everything that happened to every player, especially Sarah Trot, was in some way orchestrated by Victoria. And I don't know if that's because the producers are using her to work out their machinations or what, but she controlled the game this week. And that to me is incredibly impressive. That's a hard thing to do having control over your own play style and your own actions is one thing and that can get you very far and all players should be doing that but to control the actual game how things are happening who's getting eliminated that is next level shit whether she knows it or not i mean i appreciate your chaos queen selection i'm not surprised (laughs) (laughs) um but i'm going to give my MVP to a player who was who performed a flawless one-on-one date it's a difficult thing to do especially given certain circumstances and that's why Serena P was my 
M M M M V P P. We don't know the consequences of a lot of these plays because we have no rose ceremony. We do know Serena P got a rose. And she did amazing horse play. I feel like she was on a horse, how Ben Smith was on a scooter. You know, very adept, able to joke around and ignore that situation. Um, perfectly played picnic game where she played a heartbreak PTC, making out. She gets Matt to love level one her. She does a love level one into love level two. She gets Matt to open up about how he's never been in love before, about how he doesn't want to be like his mom who is growing old alone. And she just kept it this consistently, you know, you say Victoria is consistent. Sarita P is also consistent. She did that good girl. I'm all positive vibes all the time. Even though her date started after Trot and Matt James were making out in Trot's tears for 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, not a, she didn't, she was starting from, uh, starting from a place of loss. Yeah, Serena P was great. I, nothing bad to say about her performance this week. She did everything correctly, as you're saying. It was a pretty flawless one-on-one. And I obviously love the use of a second love level always beautiful thing to see so i'm glad that she yeah. played that but all around good i play. think she knows what she's doing she by the way she also set up parental walls for her father which maybe we will see if she gets a hometown date absolutely something to look forward to and then the tag who's the star of the tag oh it's our creature of the week the donkey is back beginning middle and end donkey gets them all that's the creature era Uh huh. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the undisputed creature uh, gets the last laugh at Matt James's hiccups. Did you have an error this week? It's very difficult to fucking determine because I don't. I mean, Sarah Trot. I would say self-eliminating is always an error. Yeah. So yes, Sarah Trot's self-elimination was mine. <laughs> Error, 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 error of the game. But ultimately, I'm also like, I don't see where she goes from there. She was so isolated by the rest of the group. She would have been eliminated in some form or fashion in the next week anyway, I think. And by doing this, she does salvage a little bit of a victimization play potentially. I just... I don't know where she goes from the situation she was put in. So it's hard to say that she could have made any better plays. I'm going to go with Katie Thurston's failed Italian steal was my error, 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 error of the game. I just expected more from her in this circumstance and she was outplayed by Trot and it it hurt her first audience game. Why do you call it the Italian steal? An Italian steal is when a player steals back from the person that stole from them. It's called an Italian steal because season nine, Lorenzo Borghese, the first time this happened was 
Cosetta Blanca and Agnese Polizza, the two Italian women that were brought in for the season, stole back from the two players that stole from them. So they were the first ones to do this move. And that season, by the way, took place in Rome, Italy. And those two players were the only local players. Everybody else was American or I think Canadian flown in for the show. We thank them for their contribution to this game. That is it for this week's gameplay breakdown. We hope you will join us this Thursday for this week in Bachelor Nation, where we will be covering all of the most important Bachelor Nation news, all the parasocial plays of the week, some screams from the pit, and, of course, the gains of all the players from this season. Very curious to see what the results of tonight's plays were in terms of how they will affect these players' Instagram growths or diminishings. And, of course, we'll be talking about the state of the world, which next Wednesday is the inauguration. So... Maybe some interesting things to talk about. Seems like every Wednesday there's something interesting to talk about. Hopefully not. Hopefully nothing to talk about. Just that it happened. Smoothly. (laughs) Thank you everyone for sending in all of the delicious tids and throwing them into the bottom of the pit for us to devour. They are our only source of nutrition and it is how we survive now. So please keep sending us all of the tids that you find. Clues means him. <laughs> Send them to Bachelor Clues. He is the one who lives off of them. I take care of myself in a lot of other different ways. Not me. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon, you might want to do that. It's patreon.com slash Game of Roses. We put out two bonus podcasts per month. These include things like all-star analyses of rookie seasons of people like Tasha Adams. These include lists of the most important moments in the history of the game. Like we just did one recently on the 10 most important moments of the Christian era. These include sometimes deep dives into other podcasts from Bachelor Nation that we find out are important, that have interesting things talking about gameplay or the nature of Bachelor Nation itself. And again, we put out two of those every month. We also do live streaming video events before every Monday's episode for half an hour where we talk about what we expect from the big plays. There are pre-game shows. And of course, there are strange bits of information and art that are always found in the bottom of the pit. And they can pop up in our Patreon at any time. Videos of Nick Vial. Clues original songs. Clues original songs. There's a bunch of stuff in there. The gargling. Check it out. There is a lot of gargling content. If you are looking for that, we've got it. www.patreon.com slash game of roses. And before we go, as always, what is the dwab at? It has been 6,875 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Lord Harrison. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. 
Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now, head to toe, dressed in Quince. I got their shirts, I got their pants, I got everything from Quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen, under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you're going to have them in that closet forever, unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com slash roses to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash roses. We're coming out of spring and we're headed into summer. It's a great time of year. It's a time for renewal. For me, that means reconnecting with friends and family I haven't seen for a while. And when I do, I want to make sure I have plenty of wine on hand to celebrate with. That's why First Leaf is a great option. As America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf takes the worry and guesswork out of buying quality wines, especially if you're somebody like me who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough, not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website, and these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences on those questions you answered. These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus, Every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice. So it takes all the guesswork out. I love reconnecting with friends and family over bottles of First Leaf wine, and I bet you'll feel that way too. So give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com roses to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand curated bottles plus free shipping. That's T-R-Y. F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses to save 50% on your first six bottles plus free shipping. Try firstleaf.com slash roses. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.